Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Happy Labor Day to everybody out there celebrating their three-day and, in some instances, four-day weekends. Hopefully, everybody got some sun, got some pool time while before it closes, and uh, getting ready for the start of hockey season, because we are about a week away from the beginning of Penguins Prospect Camp, which also includes a little friendly game between the Pittsburgh Penguins Prospects and the Boston Bruins Prospects in the Prospect Challenge up in Buffalo, New York. And we're about two weeks away from the opening of Pittsburgh Penguins Training Camp, which means preseason games are coming, and we're a little over a month away from the start of the NHL regular season. Horwat, hockey is on its way back, and it's a great feeling. We're getting there. Things are ramping up, like like we mentioned the prospect challenge games coming up. The uh, training camp is soon to follow that immediately. Uh, this is the exciting time, and also I got I got zero sun this weekend because it rained the entire time. So happy Labor Day weekend, everybody! I also work today, so things happen. Yeah, we're both on that train, both having some work things to get done today. But at least we get to start the day off here at the tip of the iceberg podcast, talking Pittsburgh Penguins. And let's lead it off with this subject because this is the final, I believe, and you mentioned that they might do just a top 20 players list for NHL Network, but we've been discussing this every Monday for the past three weeks. This week it was the goaltenders, and there's nobody from the Pittsburgh Penguins on the top 10 goaltenders list from NHL Network. Tristan Jari was left off the list, and instead of him, we'll go down through it right now, the list includes number 10, Marc-Andre Fleury, number 9, Jake Ottinger, Freddie Anderson at 8, Connor Hellybuck at 7, Thatcher Demko at 6, Ilya Sorokin at 5, Markstrom at 4, Soros at 3, Igor Shosturkin at 2, and Andre Vasilevsky in his normal spot as the number one goaltender in the National Hockey League. Horwat, what do you think of this list, and do you think that Tristan Jari should have been included in the top 10 goalies? I think this list is a sham, honestly. This it's so wild. I mean, is like the first thing that jumps out to me is UC Saros up that high. He's this is his first good season to really, you know, be the starter for the Nashville Predators, and they bumped him up immediately to number three in the league, ahead of Jacob Markstrom, who had like ten shutouts in the first month of the season. Incredible, apparently. Ilya Sorokin, who I mean, that's a Number five? At number five. 
for a very not good Islanders team. Sure, roll with it, I guess. Thatcher Demko, also a question mark. I mean, he had his first good season, and again, giving him all of the praise. Jake Oninger, fine. I'll let him sit there because he had a stellar off, or postseason, but this is nutty. And mm-hmm. Tristan Jari, Jari absolutely uh, got snubbed, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, we've been talking with people that have said definitely top 10, definitely top 5 even from a, from a few people. So this is shocking, honestly. Um, yeah, when, who when were the I look top at this three, list. Um, sorry, not to cut you, but who were the top three? I forget who the top three were for Vesna voting. Vasilevsky? Uh, Shesterkin and Saros. And Saros. Okay. Okay, I thought Anderson was in there, but yeah, still wild. Yeah, when I look at this list, I... I, I agree with the top five especially you know Vasilevsky and Shesterkin are far and away the best two goaltenders in the National Hockey League Soros what he was able to do last season for the Nashville Predators he basically carried them into the postseason and and they might have put up a better fight against the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche if he was available to them but he wasn't and, and things didn't go well for them Markstrom like you mentioned had like 10 shutouts in the first two months of the season last year he had a great year uh, Sorokin, I agree with as well. I, I think the Islanders, just because of their bad season, not a lot of people are giving the Islanders credit for some of their good performances. Barzell came around in the second half of the season, was a little bit better, even though he started off so poorly, just like the rest of the team did. But Sorokin was their rock last year. He was one of the reasons why, in the second half of the season, the Islanders became such a force. So I don't mind the top five here. The back half is where I have issues. Marc-Andre Fleury at number 10. Would I put him in over Tristan Jari? Not heading into this season. And that's what it is. It's top 10 goalies heading into next season. And Fleury was great last year for the Blackhawks. He was one of the few shining stars for that team. He was really good when he came over to the Minnesota Wild. I think he's right around this area. But again, I I, I would put Tristan Jari in over him. Ottinger, I don't want to see in the top 10 here. I think this is 100% increased because of that playoff performance. And he's still, when you look at his numbers from last year, he did not perform like that throughout the whole season. And I understand, perform when it matters, and that's important. But heading into this season, I don't see Jake Ottinger as the number nine goaltender in the National Hockey League. Freddie Anderson, I think, should have been bumped up a little bit from number eight. Uh, I think a big issue for that is the fact that he was injured for the postseason. Connor Hellybuck had an awful season last year. And so did Thatcher. Like Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellybuck, they were... Average goaltenders last year on way below average teams, yet they're still six and seven here. Like they were the best part of their teams, I'll grant you that, but they should not be ranked six and seven respectively in this list. So I personally think that I would have ranked if if looking at this, I would have put Tristan Jari at number seven, number eight. I'd have Freddie Anderson probably at six. I'd have Probably Tristan Jari right after that, and then Marc Andre Fleury next to him there. Like I don't, I don't think Ottinger, Hellebuck, or Demko deserve to be on this list more so than a guy like Tristan Jari. And you could just look at his stats for reason why. Last season, Tristan Jari was 34, 18, and six, had a 2.42 goals allowed average, which was good for sixth in the NHL. Had a 9.19 save percentage, which was good for sixth in the NHL. Had 11.97 goals saved above average, which is good for eighth in the NHL. So you were top 10 in all of those very important categories, yet you're not ranked a top 10 goaltender heading into the 2022-23 season. I agree with you that the fact that Jari's not in it is kind of a sham, and I also think the 6 through 10 spots are completely wrong. 
But I I will say at least the top five they got right. I still have issue with the top five. I just don't like Sorokin being up that high. That just seems really high to me. I would put him I would put him up even higher, honestly. But I'm fine with him at five. I would say he could be number three, to be honest. It's just interesting because it seemed like how they've been running this list is <clears throat> top goalies, like you mentioned, top players by their position right now and going into next season. Um, why wouldn't you know Tristan Jari be on here? Why would he be behind Connor Hell, Thatcher Demko at least? You know, he had one good season. That doesn't mean it's going to last. Just based on. Um, what's it called based on trends you know we know how goalies are he could absolutely fall apart he's also not he's on a very unstable <clears throat> vancouver canucks team but also i mean your thoughts on hellebuck are much lower than i think because i mean just looking at the numbers yeah the jets weren't all that great but he also played 66 games yeah going for 29 wins 27 losses and 10 ties for what it's worth though looking around the rest of the league sergey bobrovsky is not on this list and he tied Vasilevsky for most wins of the se- for the season with 39. Yeah, he, he was carried by well, the best offensive team we've seen in two decades. Then you know what? Maybe that's what takes down Jari because maybe, again, all these national pundits go, well, he's, their goalie, like Flurry had to deal with for years, is being carried by these great forwards that are, that are going to score in front of him. Yeah, but also, I, I think when you look at Bobrovsky, there were games that he absolutely lost for the Florida Panthers because he gave in six goals and and the Panthers would win games seven to five. There's no way that you can allow Bobrovsky to be in the top 10, especially whenever the Panthers are looking at like, when is Spencer Knight going to eventually take over? Like Spencer Knight, if he was better last season, would have started way more games for the Florida Panthers, but he just didn't take advantage of the opportunity because Bobrovsky was not. And we saw it when the Penguins played the Panthers in last season, Bobrovsky was not solid. So I, I agree with him not being on this list as well. That's fair. He had seven losses, though. It was 39-7. and seven. Okay, and, and Louis Domingue was, what, 21-5 and five with the Tampa Bay Lightning in their historic season? That doesn't mean Louis Domingue was a good goaltender. That means he was carried by one of the best teams in hockey. No, but he was also very clear of the backup. Um, if, there, if you are taking also, one of the benefits this list has over, um, like, award voting is the retrospect of the playoffs. They can take that into account. We can see that Vasilevsky for the third year in a row took the Lightning to the finals. We can see that Igor Shosturkin uh, was able to battle against the Penguins despite not being the better goalie um, into the second round and then to the third? If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, my brain's a little foggy. UC Soros, he got the team to the playoffs. Jacob yeah. Markstrom, I mean, a hell of a start to the season. That's all you really need. Sorokin, we're not talking about. Demko, we're not talking about. Hellebuck, nah. Anderson made it past the first round. He's someone. He was, that, he was injured. Oh, he was. Yeah. Why is he here? Jake Oninger had that absolutely stellar first round despite losing. You have the retrospective of the playoffs to have this list and put together as well. So maybe Jari being injured, like you mentioned. I mean, Anderson's still there. <laughs> it's. It's talking in circles here at this point because we're all very confused and are looking for reasons why he's not on here. Mm-hmm. Because he should be. And I think we can all agree with that. Um, but they have, the, they have the way to look at postseason success as well. Jari played one game in a period and lost. So maybe yeah. that takes away from it. Did it injured, no less. Maybe they're taking in the fact that he hasn't been healthy for two straight postseasons. Or, yeah. 
and are struggling. Yeah, well, when I look at this list, only five of these ten goaltenders played in the playoffs last year. The other five did not. And when you look at the five that did play, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin were both very good in their, their first and second. Jacob Markstrom was crap in that second round series against the, the Edmonton Oilers. He single-handedly cost the Calgary Flames that series because he was so beyond bad. He was almost Tristan Jari levels of bad when Jari played against the New York Islanders. Marc-Andre Fleury was trash for the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs. Jake Ottinger was great in the playoffs. But I don't think... I just think this is a list that is just so faulted that you cannot put any actual thought process behind it. Like, there was no thought process in this. It was throw out a top 10 list to generate discussion. And that's what it did, obviously, as we're talking about it. But like like a Jake Ottinger, I know people will push back because what have you done for me lately? He was fantastic for the Dallas Stars the last time we saw him. But if you look at his regular season, he finished just over Casey to Smith in goals saved above average. That's that's where he finished in the regular season. And one of the most important stats a goaltender can have in goals saved above average. So I, I do think that Tristan Jari was snubbed from this list. I don't think at the end of the day it means very much of anything. Maybe it's bulletin board material for Jari. It doesn't seem like he's a guy that uses stuff like that, but it's something for him to use. Like I said, I would have put him at either the seven, six, seven, or 8 spot on this list over guys like Thatcher Demko, over a guy like Connor Hellyabuck, because we don't know if he's able to do what he can on that Winnipeg Jets roster. Maybe if he's on a different team, over a guy like Jake Ottinger, and maybe even over a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury. I wouldn't put him over Anderson, but like I said earlier, probably seven, six, seven, or eight behind, right behind Freddie Anderson. And this is why it's a team sport, right? Yeah. It is all about the team you have in front of you. It is not just your how skilled you are. Whereas, yes, some of these goalies can absolutely step in and carry teams one way or the other and make differences in games and victories but this is why it is a team sport and that we don't look at these lists wholeheartedly um but it's still fun to talk about sure and you want to be you want to have your players on this list that's why we keep talking about it every week that yeah. hey a new uh nhl network list came out cool which penguins are on it well not jari this time so we're a little baffled by it yeah i was just, i was just in shock when you sent it to me because i was like i, I really figured especially because it seemed like nhl network talks up tristan jari a lot i figured that he would be in the top 10 list but maybe leaving him off is something that's going to leave an open block in their show today to be able to talk about yeah also i keep missing these when they come out i guess i haven't i haven't watched the whole video on it but so be it i complete i always completely forget because they come out on a sunday night at like nine or ten o'clock so i i, I <laughs> yeah well either way uh we just still discussed it and and looking at Tristan Jari there's not much room to improve on his regular season last year stay healthy that's the important thing but 242 goals allowed average six in the NHL there's room to improve but not too much 919 save percentage Jari was up around 930 at points throughout last season he did have a little bit of a rough stretch later into the year that brought him down to 919, but still a very good save percentage there for Tristan Jari. And 11.97 goals saved above average. He was up over 30 at one point. Or 20, I should say. Not 30. He didn't get the 30. That was uh, that was Igor Shosturkin and his ridiculousness last year. But there was a long time where Tristan Jari was second, third in the National Hockey League and goals saved above average. There's room for him to improve heading into a contract season. And we've talked about that and we'll be talking about that as a major storyline for him throughout this season. But 
if he can play the way that he played last year and stay healthy for the postseason, and of course that is an entirely different animal that we don't need to get into right now is his performance in the playoffs. He's going to sign a four-year, five-year deal worth, you know, if you're lucky in the Penguins, for five, six million dollars, maybe seven million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he has the opportunity to absolutely cash out if he has a great season this year. Um, yeah. I'm not saying turn into another Matt Murray where you get your big contract and then that's it. Wrap it up. But um, he is the great, he's a great opportunity to really prove what he is. And that is part of the reason why I think this team should wrap him up sooner rather than later before he can do things like that, depending also on what the player and agent want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we haven't heard a single thing out of either camp about potential Tristan Jari contract extensions. We know Ron Hextall has been asked about it most recently on 93.7 The Fan, and he basically said that he trusts his goaltender and said nothing in the terms of where they're at on contract negotiations or even if they're having contract negotiations. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. He, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke took they took up until after the draft, day before the draft, to get the the two big horses signed this past offseason. So, you never we don't know how they are with signing contracts midseason yet, really. Yeah, they uh, have handed out smaller contracts midseason. Obviously, Mark Friedman got a two-year deal. Redeem Zahorna, I believe, was extended midseason. And so was Chad Ruedel. So, we'll have to see what they do as far as Tristan Jari. As far as I'm concerned, you sign him because the goaltenders that play the way that he plays and that could carry the load that he carried last season are few and far between in today's NHL, and you need to get that under contract. The playoffs thing is still uh, still a worry, but you still need a goaltender to get you there in the, in the regular season, and Tristan Jari is more than capable of doing so. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the takes of a former Pittsburgh Penguin, a 2009 Stanley Cup champion. We'll discuss that here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, Tyler Kennedy is one of the more vocal former Penguins, at least on social media. He likes to give his opinion. He likes to obviously do everything he's doing in the Pittsburgh area with the TK Learn to Play program. Very great for the environment and for the, what am I looking for? Uh, he's, good, he's good for the city of Pittsburgh, right? He's giving back in Western Pennsylvania, which is nice. But he went out and put about a two-minute video that was absolutely loaded with hot takes last week. And let's start with probably the biggest thing that he said and the most fabric thing that he said, which was Evgeny Malkin 
is going to be a monster this season. And as far as to saying that he's going to lead the Penguins in points, interesting take. If he can stay healthy, he'll lead the Penguins in points. What do you think of that take? Like, do you think that there is a way that Gino leads this team in points? We had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month and a half ago, about way too early Penn's predictions, and we'll we'll come to a different one and see if we change that a little closer to the season. But neither of us had Evgeny Malkin leading the Penguins in points. TK does. What do you think of that? I think it's an interesting, <clears throat> an interesting little take because. Tyler Kennedy, he's done these, I think he's done these videos before, and has always spoken pretty highly of Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, his former line mate. A lo- yeah, former line mate. A lot of Evgeny Malkin's former teammates, or line mates even, do speak extremely highly um, of him. They see his work ethic no matter what the cause, no matter what the situation is, whether it be an injury or uh, now a COVID season. We've seen a huge amount of work ethic from Evgeny Malkin that's, he wouldn't be surprised that Tyler Kenny wouldn't be surprised to see something like this because he knows Malkin sees what people say. He knows that Malkin is going to come into the season healthy and motivated with a new contract. And, you know, maybe some of those things we heard from uh, reporters that the contract negotiations got personal, got weird, maybe got bad. He's going to come in and try and prove to not only the fans that have called him out, not only, but yeah, not only the fans have called him out, but also the uh, his own front office that may have toyed with him a little with this new contract. He's going to try and play above a $6.1 million clip. So who knows? I mean, if he is that driven and that motivated, I think we can all agree that anything is possible with Malkin. Again, I don't know about leading the team in points, but that's a hell of a take. And from someone who has been in the room with him, I'll take that opinion at least uh, a little higher than a lot of, than what a lot of people will say because when you are a player as well, you do learn other things. You do know these guys differently. Now, it's been a while since TK's played with Malkin, but um, yeah. it's Evgeny Malkin. Odds are he's the almost the exact same person, really. Yeah, and it's not like anybody's saying, at least on this podcast, that Evgeny Malkin's not going to have a good season. I'm very bullish on the fact that I think Evgeny Malkin's going to have a fantastic season, but I still don't believe he's going to outscore a guy like Sidney Crosby. I, I don't know if he's going to outscore a guy like like Jake Gensel. I do think he'll be in the top three. I think he'll finish right there at third. And let's be clear, because you mentioned it uh, very slightly, and I didn't mention it, and I should have. Tyler Kennedy said he would not be surprised. He didn't come out and say Evgeny Malkin will lead the Penguins in points. He said he wouldn't be surprised if Evgeny Malkin went out there and led the Penguins in points. If he can stay healthy, which has been a big thing for Evgeny Malkin. And I'll continue to say it because we mentioned it when we were talking about who's going to lead the Penguins in goals, which is who I, I said will be Evgeny Malkin. It is, yeah, he could play the whole season and he will have a great season. Probably score over 85 points. People will think of him in an entirely new light. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to be that upset. If he's healthy for the playoffs, I don't care if he plays 50 games. Be ready for the playoffs. Be ready to make an impact in the playoffs. And be 100%, maybe not 100%. Nobody's ever really 100% after an 82-game regular season, unless they don't play any of them, Nikita Kucherov in 2019. But honestly, if he's able to be ready for the postseason, able to make an impact in the postseason, I don't care if he plays 50 games in the regular season. That's just something that... I'm going to hold true the entire way through, especially if he gets injured. But he's heading into the year without an injury. 
didn't have to rehab this summer. I can see where TK is coming from, but I still think if Malkin plays all games and Crosby plays all games, which first and foremost would be fantastic for the Penguins, but if both of them play all games, I do think that Sidney Crosby is still going to outperform and, and outpace him when it comes to total points. Most likely, yeah. It's fun to really have this discussion and think about it because uh, we know Evgeny Malkin's going to be driven, and we'll take, like I said, I'll take the word from someone who played you know, on his line and shared a locker room with him. It's Those are some... Uh, thoughts and opinions that deserve to be heard especially in a situation like this because it was i mean let's be real the malk and letang those questions were the biggest questions of the for the penguins this offseason is what to do with them now they're here not that we're stuck with them but they're here now they have to perform and at least someone thinks they're going to now, that wasn't the only thing that he said in his fun two-minute little rundown of the Pittsburgh Penguins 2022-23 season. He also looked into the future for the Pittsburgh Penguins and kind of gave off the impression that he doesn't believe that Brian Rust and Jake Gensel will be able to lead this team to the promised land following the Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang era. He doesn't believe that those guys could lead a team to the playoffs, could lead a team specifically to Stanley Cup championship victory. What do you think about that take from TK? And do you believe in Rust and Gensel more so than TK does? So I thought this take was a little more outrageous than the Malkin one, I personally. Because we're looking at, we're, we, me and you at bare minimum, look at Gensel and Rust as a pair of guys that can, not for a super long time, but can be the leaders of this team in the post Crosby malkin Latang era. Mm-hmm. We believe that, those two at least, and maybe a couple other people, I don't. maybe we don't have them yet, can be the main core going forward. I mean, I've discussed the idea of Gensel and Rust staying Penguins for their whole careers because that seems to be the big trend in sports these days. Um, I'm going to loft the idea out there that Brian Rust could be the future captain of this team. Not so much Jake Gensel because we've been told, we were told a long time ago that it might not be him. Him, Hell, we were told it could be John Marino. We see how that's gone. <laughs> uh, but Brian Rust, because we've seen the organization put a lot of faith in him. Six more years at, at a time when I was fully ready to give him up to keep around a guy like Evgeny Malkin and keep around a guy like Chris Letang. But they said, no, he is priority number one. And we didn't know that. Brian Burke said he was priority number one before the veterans that have been here. So they want to keep Brian Rust around. He just strikes me more. There's no other uh, facet to this than just the fact that he strikes me more as a leader, that he could be the next captain after Sidney Crosby, depending we don't get any other obvious captains to grow up into this team. So I could see those two being the future. As if they carry us into into the promised land, as TK called it, I think they could. They just have to have the right players around them still. It is, like we mentioned with the goalie thing, it is a team game. It isn't just these two. Yeah, the right, yeah, Sidney Crosby was the right leader to lead the Penguins in 2009, to lead them in 16 17. Mm-hmm. But he had other guys with him. We know yeah. it wasn't just Sidney Crosby. I mean, if Kenny Malkin took those playoffs over in 2009, um, <clears throat> in 16 17, it took the whole team both times. I mean, what was the most. What was the most fun part of the 16th season? It was the HBK line. Not None of those guys were Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Latang didn't even play in 17 in the 17th playoffs, and we won. 
So we see that it does take a whole team, but the right leaders. I think Rust can Rust and Gensel can be those right leaders if they get the right team around them. Mm-hmm. I actually don't necessarily disagree with Tyler Kennedy on this one. I, I, I don't necessarily think that Brian Rust and, and, and Jake Gensel on their own as the top two players on the team would be a good enough top duo to lead a Penguins team to a Stanley Cup championship. To the playoffs is one thing. We've seen teams that don't necessarily have the forward stars be carried to the postseason by a goaltender, and that could happen in the Pittsburgh Penguins instance after Crosby and Malkin have departed. But I don't see these two specifically for a couple reasons. One, we always mention that Gensel is much better than people give him credit for, that he's not just carried by Sidney Crosby, but... He's not at that level, and neither is Brian Rust. And another reason that I I kind of agree with him is because by the time Crosby and Malkin are done, let's say Crosby's done in three years, which is very early because Crosby said he wants to play more, but that's how long he has left on his contract. If it's just three years, Brian Rust will be 33. Jake Gensel will be 30 or 31. You're already into the, the latter stages of their careers, and you're going to be counting on them to go out there and be the superstars. I don't necessarily agree with that because it's it's already hard enough. You're talking about Malkin, Crosby, and Latang all over the age of 35 doing what they're doing because they're Penguins Hall of Famers, without a doubt. Two of them are, without a doubt, NHL Hockey Hall of Famers. So that's the reason I, I think that a lot of people are like, yeah, when they're gone, we have Gensel. We have Gensel and Rust are going to be closer to the ends of their careers. So I agree with him on that aspect. And also, if you look at a team that is trying to be led by preliminarily wingers and they don't have that star center, you're looking at the Minnesota Wild and what they have been for the past five seasons. Have they been? Have they been anywhere close to the Stanley Cup? No, they haven't been out of the first round. Now, the thing is. With all things considered, if the Penguins don't bring in another stud winger or a stud center, the Penguins are going to be worse off than the Minnesota Wild. Because the Minnesota Wild are much deeper as a team, even though they don't have that star center, they're much deeper as a team than the Pittsburgh Penguins are set up to be. So you're looking at a fate of basically not making the playoffs, but being on the bubble of the playoffs, if your leaders are are Rust and Gensel, in my opinion. Not to throw shade at them. I think they are top tier secondary pieces, but I don't think them being the number one and number two guys on the Pittsburgh Penguins following the Crosby Malkin Latang era will lead to that much success. So I, in that aspect, I agree with Tyler Kennedy, but I, I don't think he, it was meant by him to be putting shade on any of these two guys. I think it's just the fact that if they're the guys for your team, you have some issues. Yeah, I think more or less that's what he was going by. I wasn't even bringing like their skill into the equation, and I knew that uh, with this thought that none of it would be for long term because yeah, they're going to be older too. Uh, like we mentioned, Russ is already in his thirties, so yeah, let's say post all three of those guys leaving, Russ is bare minimum thirty six. So yeah, that can get a little horrifying. Sure, it wouldn't be the longest of terms. Never, I said the captaincy thing, but like. It would be just the quick carryover until someone else is there. That's why I said unless they pick someone up along the way. Six years is a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whole careers are going to start and end in six years, and 
all four major sports. So, yeah. frightening thought. <laughs> um, so, and Gensel, I think, he'll where, where he is a little younger, he'll, he will also still be aged. Because this is bare minimum six years. We don't know how much longer Crosby really has. He's the one that's going to carry this carry this team and be the leader of this team until he's gone. So who knows what the team looks like in six years. But if it is those two that stick around, whereas I think they are good, they will be good leaders, I don't know if they'll be good enough players and winners per se. So I agree and disagree with them. I think that they can as leaders, maybe not so much as players skill-wise because they'll just be older and past their prime. Yeah, they'd be great second or third liners in six years' times. Like, and if they're better than that, then they're something special because you don't see it very often where, where players, especially like Brian Russ, like Jake Gensel, I think, is on a different level. I think he has shown that, that he's on a different level than Brian Russ. But if Brian Russ is still good in year five of this contract, then you, you're one, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to really change everybody's opinions on Ron Hextall because I think people right now are 50-50 on him. But if Russ in year five of this contract and if everything else goes well, of course, because he signed plenty of long-term deals, Ricard Raquel and obviously was hanging Malkin. But if Russ works out and that was their number one priority, then it just makes them look much better. But I think when you look at this five years down the road, you're going to be seeing the latter stages and you're not going to see 40 goal Jake Gensel. You're not going to see 30 goal Brian Russ. They might be really good veteran pieces at that point. But I don't think they're the pieces that are going to carry a team, uh, specifically, the whole way to a Stanley Cup championship. So, thank you to Tyler Kennedy for feeding us that entire segment on a two-minute video. But that's the type of thing we like to do, especially when the season has yet to begin. So, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish this episode off with our weekly Pens Poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, our weekly pens poll, looking at some of the newest acquired Pittsburgh Penguins to ask which newcomer besides Jeff Petrie, because I think we all expect Petrie to make a big impact on the Pittsburgh Penguins next season, but which newcomer besides Petrie will make the biggest impact on the 2022-23 season for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Over 50% of voters believe it'll be Jan Ruda. 56% to be exact. He was far and away the number one choice in this poll. Ty Smith gets second with 27% of the vote. Ryan Paling gets 12% and 5% actually did go out and vote for Drake Kajula, thinking that he'll make an impact on the Pittsburgh Penguins bottom six. Horwat, who did you vote for in this poll? Man, I think I switched my vote three times. Because <laughs> Jan Ruda's a great answer there because we know he's definitely going to be in the lineup for one. He's definitely going to probably take the Chad Ruedel position and maybe do it a little bit better than Chad Ruedel. We'll see where everything goes with that. Ty Smith, we're genuinely not sure at the moment if he is going to be in the starting lineup to start the season. Will he work his way in? Most likely. But we don't know what kind of difference he can make if he is not starting day one. I mean, he's got that whole defensive logjam to fight through. Um, Ryan Paley is an interesting one because he's the only forward that makes a difference here uh Kajula, as much as i want to see him do something i just don't know if he will anymore he he might be the 16th forward at this point whereas ryan paling we 
Ryan Paling is, at least at the moment, still slated to be in the starting lineup. Um, so it's an interesting thing. If he is able to pull through and become maybe the Danton Heinen of this year, with Danton Heinen still on his team, maybe even on his line, uh, if he's able to have that sort of play, then, yeah, I think he would win this poll. But at the moment, I mean, all three of those guys can do it. All three of those guys can have that same – have that new impact on this team. I would have to lay my flag – if I had to lay my flag into one, you know what? Uh, I forget his name now. Ty Smith, just because it's a reclamation project, sort of, but he's also still considered a prospect by some. Uh, and he's got a future ahead of him, so if he's able to turn a career around, despite it being like his second or third season, mm-hmm. yeah, then he's got a hell of a future ahead of him, and I'm glad he's here for it. Yeah, and I know we can't change the question because it's not fair because the, the voters didn't get a chance to vote on the changed question, but if the question was who's going to make the biggest impact on the Penguins moving forward, I might vote Ty Smith, but not just this season because... Like you mentioned, Ty Smith's still considered by many, including The Athletic, to be a prospect for the Penguins because he's 22 years old. And he has proven already two years under his belt in the NHL, 22 years old, offensive defenseman. If he can bring that defensive part of his game around a little bit more than he was able to before, then he's going to be a really good piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins for many years to come. But I think when I vote for this, and the, and the safer pick is Jan Ruda because, like you mentioned, he is a surefire pick to be in the lineup on night one and every single game in which he is healthy to play in. He's going to play in the most games. He's going to make an impact defensively for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I do think if, if you're going to make a bolder statement, I, I think the high, the ceiling is higher when it comes to impact for, for Ty Smith. I agree. But I, I think... The floor is much higher for Jan Ruda. So I voted for Jan Ruda in this one. But also, I think a lot of people are forgetting about Ryan Paling because he got half as many votes as Ty Smith. And he is definitely much more likely to be on that roster on opening night. Ty Smith might be in Wilkes-Barre. But I also understand where you're saying a offensive defenseman might be a bigger impact player than a fourth line winger. And I agree with that in instances. But also, I think it's very interesting to see that Ryan Paling, who I sometimes forget was acquired in that Jeff Petrie trade, is going to be a player for this team. Like, he's going to see a lot of playing time at the NHL level, so it'll be interesting. And and Drake Kajula, I I think we both agree that the only reason he's in here is because he's the only other new Penguin to really be brought in this offseason. No, because he's not a new Penguin. He's a returning Penguin. That, That was my thought process on it. So... Yeah, no, Drake Kajula, and he might end up being a guy that plays 15 to 20 games. He might end up being a guy that scores four, maybe five goals for the Penguins if he gets that 20-game sample size. But I just don't think the impact's going to be there. And I think at the end of the season, if Drake Kajula is in your playoff roster, if the Penguins do make the postseason, then you're going to be in some issues. Because at that point, you're going to have several players that are injured enough to not play in the postseason. That's not a good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So... I was between Ruda and Smith, but like I said, I'm going with Ruda because I believe the floor is higher on Ruda this season, but I do agree that the ceiling is higher on Ty Smith going forward. Yeah, yeah, and the ceiling is definitely higher. The floor is higher for John Ruda, though. You're totally correct. That's why I changed my answer like three times. I don't even remember <laughs> who I actually voted for on the thing, so those numbers are fudged for all we know, but I, yeah, it, it's, it could be any of them, and it's good. To, this is a good problem to have, too. The fact that we think it's possible three guys can make a difference for this team. 
Yeah. That's a good start because we also know there's a few more that aren't even listed here that we think can make a difference for this team. Mm-hmm. Whether they are positive or negative in the <laughs> cases of Kasperi Kapanen and maybe Jason Zucker, it's still the fact that if those, let's say those guys turn their stuff around. And let's say all three of these people that we were talking about have decent to good seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, then all of a sudden we have a powerhouse of a team. I'm not saying we don't now, but it's at a different level. So I'm intrigued to see what all three of them can do. Uh, I just don't even remember who I picked at the time. But I'll hold on to Ty Smith for now because I like the future aspect he brings with him. Mm-hmm. I, I think what's really pertinent to what you just said is if these guys all pan out, then the Penguins are in a good spot because I think a lot of people's tentativeness with the Pittsburgh Penguins heading into the season is they do have question marks. And a lot of these guys are question marks. Like, is Jeff Petrie going to bounce back? That's a question mark. Is Jan Ruda... I think he's less of a question mark because people know exactly what he is. He's a defensive defenseman that can play on either side of the puck. But how does he fit into this defense? We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen him on the ice in Penguins gear at all. So that is still a question mark. Ty Smith and Ryan Paling are huge questions. If Ty Smith can come in and be rookie year Ty Smith and maybe even get put with a guy like Jan Ruda and find success, that's a huge bonus for the Pittsburgh Penguins based on what people are looking at for them now on their blue line. And the same thing with Ryan Paling. If he comes in and shows what his potential is and can reach what his potential is, then that's a fantastic scoring bottom six forward that can play the net front that is a big body that is, I wouldn't say necessarily that physical, but he's a big bodied guy that has some really talented abilities and some goal scoring abilities. So if he reaches his potential, that's a great piece in the bottom six for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it just changes the outlook on the season for the team entirely. Really good. Everyone's got their opportunities this year. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back Thursday and eventually, potentially, get into that segment that we have been now pushing off for five, six episodes. It's, it's scheduled to be on Thursday, but we said the same thing about today. We'll see if any news happens between now and then. And if it does, we will have it covered here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But that's going to do it for this one. Enjoy the remainder of your Labor Day and enjoy the week, Pens fans. We'll see you guys later. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.